Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by Catherine Rubino. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Excellent. So, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been another week. So uh, did anything happen in the legal world in the past? Uh, not that I know of. It <laughs> it's pretty, pretty quiet. quiet. It's yeah, pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, what all did happen? Um, the, I've been hearing a name for the last week. I'm not sure. Is there a place called Jones Day? Is that a, is I think that you're a pronouncing it wrong. I think it's Jones. Uh, Jones, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, Jones Day has been in the news quite a bit Yeah. Uh, over the last week. I, I did wonder for a hot minute, like, oh, what are we going to talk about on today's podcast? And then I was like, oh, the 75 stories I've written about Jones Day is probably something we can chit-chat about. Jones Day, uh, for those who don't know, I can't imagine many people listening to this don't yeah, know Yeah, I imagine the, the sort of the diagram of folks that know what Jones Day is and who listen to us are a perfect circle. Yeah, or at least the listening to us one is a subset of the other circle. Sure, <laughs> yes, obviously. I'm not going to go ahead and assume that we're the sure. whole circle. But we should be, and that's why you should be telling all of your friends to listen. Oh, uh, you're getting it, the yeah. plug in early today. Yeah. Well, Good I mean, job. you gave me an opportunity. So listen, uh, so Jones Day uh, is making themselves famous, uh, not in the best of all ways mm. uh, right now. They're in the, even mainstream news sources. New York Times wrote an article about them. Uh, tell us a little bit about what put Jones Day in this. Yeah, well, it all started with that New York Times article. Um, it was about Jones Day and Porter Wright, two big law firms. Obviously, Jones Day is significantly larger, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just in terms of number of lawyers, number of offices, um, et cetera. And so they, there was a Times article that quoted several partners and senior associates anonymously that complained about Jones Day's representation in election litigation cases. So Porter Wright, lots of things have happened with them. They've since withdrawn from a lot their election uh, litigation representation, um, but Jones Day has not. Jones Day is very, very clear that they do not represent um, President Trump. Oh, okay. So they don't, so they don't really represent uh, anybody in the election stuff. Oh, okay. There there was a pause. Yeah, no. Uh, They represent the Pennsylvania GOP in that case about uh, Pennsylvania litigation about whether or not which votes should be counted, whether or not, you know, all that kind of stuff that's going on. So they said that they weren't representing the Trump campaign, but what they're doing is representing the Pennsylvania GOP in the lawsuit that is the basis of all of the Trump campaign's complaints. Yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. kind of a distinction without... Difference. Uh, much difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That is definitely what's going on here. And that's why, uh, I mean, you wrote about that uh, as well. It was it was kind of a funny response that they had. And they're like, we expect a retraction immediately. And I was like, I, I actually didn't even say in the original article that they represented the Trump yeah. campaign or Donald Trump specifically. And well, to be fair, in this particular election litigation, there are obviously other cases. They get a lot of money from the Trump campaign generally, but in any of these election litigations. But, uh, you know, I mean, at worst, this is satisfied by a, the Trump campaign or its allies. Yeah. <laughs> Parenthetical, you know, so it's it's not, it's not, it's a bunch of nothing. So yeah, so there was an article in the Times that quoted a bunch of senior attorneys at the firm complaining about the representation of these sort of election fraud claims. 
And the concerns I think a lot of us share is that these sorts of litigation is extending the election process without any having real basis in in legal theory, having kind of a specious claim in the first instance. But even if you were to grant the full weight of their arguments are not large enough to turn the election. Right. And so extending these really undermines democracy. You know, there's disturbing polls about the number of people who believe that the election was rigged or that there are some sort of impropriety or there are somehow illegal votes where there's zero evidence that there are any illegal votes. So, you know, all all these things have become a real problem for the firm. Uh, I think in one of my early articles about Jones Day's representation in election cases, I said, you know, the reason why I went to law school was not to undermine democracy and the peaceful transition of power, which is characterized I mean, American democracy. some people do since... go for that reason. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you should cast aspersions on everybody. Sure, I mean, listen, there's a lot I, of reasons I have not to to read their, their law school uh, essay, admission essays, but listen, your mileage may vary. So there's been a lot of controversy internally, and that has spread, beginning with that, that Times article. The Lincoln Project, um, mm-hmm. you may remember them. Uh, <laughs> They're a, a pack that has raised money. Um, they've said that they are going to spend upwards of $500,000 on ad campaigns directed at not only Jones Day, but their clients as well. Well, this brings me to the interesting question, which is, so there's this pressure campaign uh, on the firm mm-hmm. to you know, get out of these sorts of cases, largely because there's, um, you know, and, and, and targeting clients. So it strikes me, and we have reason to believe, and some tips that we have received, that there's internal strife about this, that there are mm-hmm. many people in the firm who are not happy that this sure. is going on. At this point, why would a partner who has a book of business that is wholly unrelated to these political stuff, that's uh, corporate clients and mm-hmm. just general corporate clients, what's their motivation to stay there? I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. Maybe there's some inertia. Moving firms is is a lot of effort. Mm. But I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know why anyone who's not a sort of true believer is excited about this representation. I think it's hurting the firm's brand. Uh, you know, I mentioned the the Lincoln Project. Midas Touch is another pack that put out actually put out a video, which is quite damning about Jones Day itself. There have been boycotts that have been circulated. Um, the People's Parity Project, a group of law students who are are advocating that other 2Ls in particular, but anyone uh, avoid interviewing with Jones Day so that they're not necessarily having access to sort of the best and the brightest anymore. If, if this actually holds, there have been a bunch of direct action campaigns that have started protesting in front of the offices of King and Spaulding. Uh, they did in D.C. as well as Jones Day's New York office. Mm-hmm. So this is this is definitely more than just um, a kind of a niche lawyer issue. This is very much spiraled above and beyond. And, and as you said, there are definitely folks internally, and I wrote a story on Friday about an associate, not a partner, mind you, but an associate who sent an all-office email. There'd been an associate town hall about the representation. They were told that they would get to be answer questions and and then that did not happen so instead there was somebody sent an email complaining about the representation and so we know that there are folks internally 
Yeah. So I, I ask because so my, some people know I also have a consulting job with folks who look at, um, you know, who, who help move partners and stuff around. And it, it's weird. I found that I haven't been contacted by anybody for that particular reason, you know, like who is just reaching out saying like, I've, I've worked hard to build several million in business and, and I don't I want, don't it, want it to go by. away. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is weird that I haven't heard as much uh, in that world uh, of people mm -hmm. trying to get out, especially because, as you said, there's, you know, lawyers, with, with a few exceptions, uh, lawyers don't like to be famous uh, in these, <laughs> these sorts of ways. Uh, you don't really want to be the people talked about in the New York Times. You want to, like, put your head down and be mentioned maybe in one line of a Wall Street Journal article about some merger. That's kind of where you want to be. <laughs> uh, and this is not great for them. Yeah, it's that kind of little C conservative that especially yeah. big law firm lawyers tend to be where they don't they aren't seeking that attention. They want to do their job, be the best at it. But when we see also that this has been, you know, to parallel to another story that has been percolating for years, but was recently featured in the mainstream media again, which is that the drive for improving diversity within law firms mm -hmm. is being driven by the clients, uh, the clients saying, we're the ones out here who get attention and we don't want to keep seeing the law firms that we hire be, you know, predominantly white male partnership teams. And they're making that pressure, which is proof that the way to make reforms within law firms is to go through the pocketbooks by going to the clients and pushing that. So given that that's going on at the same time, you know, you see how if the clients start seeing it as toxic to be related to a firm, mm -hmm. uh, it snowballs. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that's certainly what Lincoln Project has has taken away from a lot of those stories. They have gone; they haven't produced any videos or any ads as of yet that I'm aware of. But in their initial tweeting about it, specifically called out the Ford Motor Company. Hey, Ford. Why are you hiring yeah. lawyers that are trying to undermine our democracy? Yeah. Why are you trying to, un, you know, buy your pocketbook, undermining free and fair elections? And I think if anybody knows anything about Henry Ford, they know that he would not support <laughs> a fascist takeover of the country. <laughs> All right. So, so perhaps a bad example. But yeah, so it's Jones Day is in a weird place. And as you said, Porter Wright withdrew, Snell mm -hmm. Wilmer withdrew. Like various of these firms already have said, OK, that's it. We're out. We're, we don't want the to cost is too high. Yeah, and Jones Day is holding with it, uh, which is you very know, on brand it's, for them. It's, though, right? well, it's on brand, but it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, because uh, things aren't necessarily great out there economically for a law firm, and so why would you put yourself in this sort of position? So, how have law firms <laughs> weathered previous economic downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. So... Am I allowed to talk now? See, now, <laughs> this this sort of blaming of the victim here. Oh, like, I, yeah. interesting. Mm. It's, I'm not comfortable with you taking that particular tact. Speaking of victim blaming, and relatedly to this, a story that is blowing up at this point, aside from Jones Day, there are several lawyers who are involved in this sort of litigation, one of mm -hmm. which is a small family law practitioner in Philadelphia who's 
representing the Trump campaign, and um, she would like to speak to a manager. <laughs> uh, she this uh, this woman Linda Kearns has uh, filed a motion complaining that a Kirkland and Ellis associate left a voicemail, you know, saying things like what we're saying, why you try to overthrow democracy, <laughs> um, and she feels hurt by this. But more importantly, she says that because Kirkland and Ellis is involved in litigation on the other side, that this is a breach that they should be sanctioned for. Seems like a bold move. Yeah. I mean, look, she says that the voicemail was abusive. Uh, Kirkland Ellis is like, we don't think that's true. And we will give you a transcript so that you know that's not true. (laughs) Uh, So she views it as abusive. And yes, if the opposing counsel is being abusive, that is something. In this instance, not only is Kirkland saying that this call was in no way abusive, but also this person is just not in the litigation department, knows nothing of the case, didn't even know the firm was representing anybody in this case. <laughs> uh, just somebody who called well, back to the Lincoln of, Project, yeah. uh, you know, as yeah. a result to some of the things they've been calling for. Yeah, there's a lot of direct action folks who are are putting out phone numbers of folks and saying, you know, please let them know that this is unacceptable, undermining our democracy, yada, yada, yada. No, and, and it seems to me like this is sort of a, a real risk when your firm is involved in these big political cases, you know, that especially a firm like Kirkland, frankly, even like Jones Day that has thousands of lawyers, right? Right. Not every lawyer is plugged into all of these cases. Not every lawyer even is aware of what's going on, but they still have their own personal individual civic rights and civic, you know, sense of responsibility that I think is is being... Well, so one of the questions that you know, this lawyer raises, uh, in not giving it, obviously, I don't think that this is a particularly compelling claim, but, mm-hmm. you know, let's tease this out. This is the whole process. This is our of pretend we're a law professor Thinking like a lawyer, the- yeah. One point that is made in the reply brief, which, you know, does, has some ring to it, which is that the size of a law firm should not be able to be used as an excuse to get out of ethical obligations. You shouldn't be able to say, well, I have 2,000 lawyers, so therefore, you know, can't really be held to the same standard of every lawyer is responsible to every client within the firm. I get that. I think that there's that's probably true for some things. Yes, we, we have to have complex conflict checks to avoid somebody from a different far-flung area of the firm representing an adverse party, something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like that. that is something that's necessary. It seems as though something like this, this like vague complaint about civility is the sort of thing that, yes, the size actually does matter. Insulate you from some of those claims. Also, you know, I think that that Kirkland's fundamental argument that this is not an abusive... Right, which that's the real... Yeah. uh, Yeah. Seems to me like that is, that wholly answers the the issue. Totally. Look, yeah, they they said it was discourteous. That's about it. Um, And that's fine. Like, But I, I mean that we're doing the thinking like sure. a lawyer part. I, I, well, I, I think that both of those things are true, right? right. I, you know, we've, we've kind of answered the first one, which is that when you're talking about a very minor potential violation, even, you know, assuming all the facts, you know, in what's her name, Linda Kern's favor, mm-hmm. you know, even assuming everything in her favor, I think that in this particular instance, no, it doesn't rise to that level. Um, and I also think that when you're dealing with matters of this is not some sort of individual right that doesn't impact all of the country. Right. And that 
folks' individual opinions about the running of our country are obviously something that is protected. And people don't give up those rights just because they work for a giant law firm. If there needs to be a rule saying that Kirkland and Ellis Associates should not call opposing counsel and leave an abusive voicemail, then all hope is lost. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, no, um... This woman seems a little crazy. Yeah, they, this this does have some real hyperbolic tendencies. And look, I, I don't know about you. I, I was involved in a litigation where the opposing side was actively abusive. Um, <sighs> you know, frivolous motions all the time, in your face you know, mean-spirited, like like one of those lawyers. And you're like, you know of those lawyers, but mm-hmm. you just kind of, especially in the big law world, you you know that you rarely run into them. But in this instance, we did, and it was, you know, unpleasant at all times. And at no point did we file a motion complaining that he was a meanie. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you know, you just suck it up with a lot also, of Also, like, stuff. how many voicemails did she go through to find the one from Kirkland? Right, right. Because I, I would be gobsmacked if this was the only vo- voicemail that she's received saying, what are you doing? Why are you undermining our democracy? Yeah, I mean... It's, yeah, I mean... It, I'd be shocked that this is the only person who's done that. Right, which makes it feel a lot more like this was an active attempt at, you know, setting up some sort of martyrdom motion. Um, yep. Just trying to find anybody who has any connection to the other side and say, oh, look at this, I need sanctions. Yeah, no, it's, it's real problematic. But hey, this is, uh, this is where we are these days. This is the know. world we live in. Yeah. But this is just, these are litigation things. For those of you in litigation, you're familiar with people who are jerks like this. And for the poor person who called, who wasn't even in the litigation department, from what I gather yeah, from the yeah. motion, uh, maybe <laughs> so, they don't know Someone that. like trusted estates just yeah. slaving away being... <laughs> yeah, just they wouldn't have had an idea yeah. to of how to do work with it. And like, I don't really understand that world because I was on the litigation side. But I mean, it's out there. And if you work with contracts and don't use contract tools, you're missing a lot. Save time, make money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word add-in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on Contract Tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer to podcast listeners, use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. That was pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I not to pat myself on the back. But. I mean, you're going to strain yourself trying to pat yourself yeah. that far back. Wow. Okay. So what else is going on in the world of law? I don't know, man. I feel like if it's not Jones Day, I know nothing about it. There have been several several kind of big stories that have come up that I was like, oh, I want to write about that. And then something else happens at Jones Day. And three articles later, I'm like, oh, I don't even remember what that story was anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, no. sort of, that's sort of been par for the course, I think, over over this whole election cycle. Folks find themselves easily distracted by all the the noise coming from it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's very fair. I guess one argu- one thing that I uh, spend a little bit of time working on is there's a lawsuit in North Carolina mm-hmm. to get a Confederate statue taken down, uh, which that sounds like a good thing. It, and it's it's very interesting because obviously the approach to Confederate statues of late have kind of been divided into two strategies: basically relying on feckless politicians, or you know toppling them like Saddam statues. Um, <laughs> and uh, this 
case presents a possible middle way of dealing with it by leveraging the promises of state constitutions against the maintenance of these statutes. Because, and not all state constitutions will necessarily have these provisions, but North Carolina, for instance, like a lot of states in the immediate aftermath of the Civil War, the Reconstruction governments wrote these constitutions with some sweeping right. promises within them of equal protection and so on. Uh, and with, in North Carolina's case, there was even a later provision added to the constitution of the state that mirrored and made a constitutional right the civil rights legislation of the 50s and 60s is oh. kind of integrated. So this is a into great it. trial. Yeah. So the argument, and uh, there's a lot of lawyers on it, um, including a former deputy attorney general of the state. And the argument is really to kind of create this model of how to approach litigation to force the taking down of these uh, of this statue. And you know what? I mean, one of the provisions of the North Carolina state constitution is support for secession is is barred for public <laughs> officials and stuff. And their argument is this statue is nothing if not support, support for, for secession. secession movements, which is uh, true. Compelling. So, yeah, so they're, they're, they're making this pitch that hopefully they can uh, get this particular statue taken down. And the, you know, and the hope is that it, if this works, other North Carolina jurisdictions could launch similar Cases. Legislation, yeah. Off, yeah, litigation off of the same model, and other states might have similar provisions. So, very interesting case to keep an eye on. I I read it uh, this morning and and put some stuff up about it. It's yeah, it it's it's kind of back to your point mm -hmm. about like you didn't go to law school for this. I think this is exactly the sort of thing yeah. people do go to law school for. <laughs> and turns out, some people actually get to practice that kind yeah. of law. And it, like there are civil rights lawyers involved, but there's also consumer protection lawyers in this case. Uh, mm -hmm. It's bringing together a, a good team of folks. There's uh, three organizations and three or four individual plaintiffs. So there's a lot of lawyers uh, who have all kind of been working together from what I gather on this to get this case ready to go. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. It's good to have some good news at the end of our podcast. I yeah. think, you know, makes people a little hopeful. Yeah. I mean, okay, cool. What are you not? I don't know. No, I mean, that, sure, that's, yeah. Are you, are you just not into good news? I, I'm very confused by this reaction. I did not think it was a controversial statement. It wasn't. It, well, it was, just a, it was just a weird one. Like, I didn't know how you expected me to respond to that. Just like, yes, or I, I don't know. Uh, See, this uh, is the th yeah. this is how the, okay. the thing with conversation is when, <laughs> when there's no obvious cue for the next person, it becomes a mess. You are a mess. That's correct. Wow. Um, I so, win! I win podcasting! <laughs> yeah, so whatever. Uh, oh, the other thing that happened oh. in, in the world of law firms last week. Cool. Bonuses started. Oh, that's an excellent point. By the way, at Above the Law, the fact that bonuses started last week is not our over-the-top number one story is shocking and shows you just how much this Jones Day an election debacle has, has dominated folks' lives. That's very true. Like, bonuses are consistently for the years that we've been doing this, yeah. the number one number thing. Number story of the yeah. month, year, week, yeah. whatever it is. It and didn't even crack the top. I, I think it was like the 10th story this week. Wow. Yeah, no. Um, so Baker McKenzie uh, came out with its announcement of annual bonuses. It is tracking last year's schedule of bonuses. That is somewhat eyebrow raising to the extent that 
we had some fall bonuses and the firms that did the fall bonuses said we would also do at annual least, bonuses yeah. at least, which means Baker McKenzie's kind of suggesting, even though they do in their statement say they aren't foreclosing more money, but they are seemingly saying, we're going to stick with last year's and just hope you all forget that your colleagues got more. Yeah, it seems to me like a really weird position to take such an early uh, stance on on bonuses if you aren't going to lead the pack. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's the the flip side. You're trying to control the pack. Well, perhaps. But also, I mean, it's literally saying because we know that some of the people who are early on the fall bonuses, uh, Milbank, I think, said it. Uh, Some of the other folks early said that, you know, we will at least give you end of year bonuses at last year's rate. So that means that then that's the rate that Baker McKenzie came out with. Mm-hmm. So that means that Baker McKenzie's associates are at least down the value of the fall bonuses at yeah. a minimum. There may be larger bonuses in the offing. We don't know. Uh, but at a minimum, it seems like they're getting in front of the pack to say, hey, hey isn't it good to not to be? I mean, it's up to upwards of $40,000 less. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not it like seems... it's not like chump change. It's not like. No. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It is going to be interesting to see when the, um, you know, you don't, you hate to say this about a firm, like to cast this sort of aspersion, but um, I'm interested in what the big kids come out and say uh, <laughs> when Cravath and Milbank and these traditional players. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Cravath is already down the fall bonuses as well. They they said, right. we'll, we'll deal with it at the end of the year. And I do think that Cravath will come out and give numbers that are, whatever the fall bonus value plus whatever last year That's is. my guess, too. I, I mean, I think that they will not take this kind of Baker-McKenzie path. I think they will be at least, they will account for these fall bonuses. But who knows? Uh, and, you know, I think Milbank already came out with the fall, fall bonuses. Davis Polk, they were the ones who came up with the amounts for yeah, the, the they, larger that's bonuses. Yeah, worth remembering. Davis Polk is, yeah. it had, while we often talk about Cravath being the first mover when it comes to compensation, they mm-hmm. aren't always. And one of the one of the times that they weren't, Davis Polk moved. And one of the times they weren't, Milbank moved. And both so. of them have already put out these yeah. fall bonuses. So I think that, I mean, if anything, I think this is a signal for the folks that have the capacity to give more money to do it, to mm-hmm. really create this this distinction between truly elite firms and sort of, you know, the rest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that that's a... I can't believe we almost forgot that there were bonuses last week, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it just... It's, it's been that kind right? of week, you guys. It's been that kind of week. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Well, with that, then, we should uh, probably wrap up. Uh, so you should be listening to the show. Obviously, you should subscribe. You should write uh, reviews all and give it stars, all of those things. That always helps for more people to find out about the show. You can also word of mouth it. You know, that wouldn't hurt either. You should be reading Above the Law, as always. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. Uh, you should be listening to The Jabot, her podcast about diversity issues. I'm also on the Legal Tech Roundup podcast. You should be listening to the other shows from the Legal Talk Network, of course. Uh, You should be checking out Contract Tools by Paper Software, as we detailed earlier, and remember that coupon code. And with all of that said... Have a good week. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. (laughs) You're so ridiculous. (laughs) 